Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. My three guests now are always reticent to express their points of view until they come on this program, and then there's no stopping it. It's time for Beauties and the Beast with Catherine Swift, at Working CDNS on Twitter. How are you, Swifty? I'm great, Roy. How are you? It's the first time I've ever called you Swifty. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's sort of worked out that way. It's so funny, too, because my dad was in the RCAF in the Second World War. I was just thinking about it with your intro there, and everybody called him Swifty. So, yeah, I've been called Swifty, too, well, and I don't mind. Like yeah, that. I mean, you've been Swifty. You've been Swifty forever, so it's just the first time I've ever called you that, anyhow. <laughs> is it? Well, yeah, there it you is. go. It's the first time I've ever said Swifty. Michelle Simpson, former seatmate. To the aforeheard Justin Trudeau and during question period in Parliament. You get nostalgic when you hear him, Michelle? When I hear him? Yeah. Oh, well, confused maybe, but uh, not not necessarily nostalgic. I'm still trying to figure out what a one-dose summer means, but anyway, that's another story. Yeah, I I don't know what what that means either. Uh, Linda Leatherdale will have the answer to that. Vice President of Cambria Canada, former money editor for the Toronto Sun. How are you, Linda? Hey, Roy, doing great. And great to be on the show again. Okay, why don't we start with this uh, couple of issues we want to discuss. Let's start with the vaccine rollout. Now, let me just give you a couple of numbers. From the Center for Disease Control, or Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in the United States, they this morning issued numbers that they had yesterday, and they have 121,768,268 Americans who are fully vaccinated. They've had a total of 156 million plus vaccines that have been delivered. In Canada, we're just over 18 million vaccines delivered. About 1.4 million are, have uh, full vaccination. We have the, this is lucky for Justin Trudeau, I think, the study that came out of uh, the UK, which indicates that after 12 weeks, um, after 12 weeks after your mRNA vaccine, you're still 90% protected. That's one study. So those are the numbers that we're looking at, but he's still talking about the one-dose summer. So since you know Mr. Trudeau personally and know him well and sat with him many times, as he showed you photographs of himself, which you've told us about, uh, talk, about the, talk to us about the vaccine rollout, Michelle. How are you assessing it? Well... I suppose I shouldn't complain because I managed to get my one dose. But uh, all in all, I, I'm kind of tired of comparing ourselves to people that are doing worse. We are, instead of striving to do better, um, we're now in this infighting between the provinces and the federal government. So all in all, I wouldn't give it necessarily a passing grade, right? Okay. Uh, Linda, what about you? How do you assess this vaccine rollout in this country? And we, we, were, we were kind of, we were not exactly complimentary toward the United States at the beginning of this pandemic. Yeah. And now they've just eclipsed us. Yeah. Well, first of all, like you, Michelle, I have my one, but I have to wait till the summer for the second. It was Pfizer. But here's what intrigues me. You know, you're right. There was a lot of criticism that the United States was not doing it right. Well, I can tell you that Cambria is based out of Minnesota and they made arrangements for every employee to get their vaccines. But more than that, now you've got the governor of Minnesota saying you don't have to wear a mask anymore. 
And so I work for a company where everybody's freely doing their going about their business. And I'm here in Ontario at the second round of a stay at home um, and wondering when I'm going to get my second shot. And, you know, my daughter, Sky Roy, thank you. You were so supportive of her during her cancer journey, which well, she's very high risk. She's only getting her first shot tomorrow. Um, I, th- I think we could have done it better. And there's so many mixed messages. And I think that's why there's so much mistrust out there. Uh, Catherine, I spoke yesterday with Brad Sorensen, the president and CEO of uh, Providence Therapeutics out of Calgary. And they have a vaccine of their own they're developing. They've had their first phase, phase one results, and they're very, very promising. But he can't get a call back from the prime minister. They were looking for a $150 million loan in order to push forward their, their, their development. Uh, nothing back. They've been given some, some money from, uh, from various programs, but not a lot. It's a very expensive venture. Uh, he is now st- – they're producing uh, what some countries need. Uh, Canada's not interested in what they're producing. And he's thinking of moving or talked to us yesterday about there's still the possibility, maybe the likelihood, that he's going to move his company out of Canada. We then spoke with Don Gerson, who's the president of NuVax. We have foreign countries who are ready to employ NuVax to create, to produce vaccines for their countries. No response from the federal government. I say this only because you know the inside workings of government extremely well. How do you assess what's going on as far as the vaccine distribution in Canada is concerned? Well, it, I... I there's been an awful lot. I mean, I, I've been willing to give all governments a lot of rope on this whole pandemic thing. Because let's face it, the facts seem to change almost every day. Uh, it's an it's very much still. There's all kinds of unknowns and so on. But in terms of actually acquiring vaccine, I think the errors of the federal government in Canada have been crystal clear. First of all, they opted for some inexplicable reason to partner only with a Chinese company. And that Chinese company stiffed us basically, you know, when when uh, we were starting to think maybe we'd get some, uh, you know, get some production. It was a joint, it was a joint effort between a Canadian firm in Montreal and a, uh, a Chinese company. So, um, and then following that, there was this, again, inexplicable delay in seeking replacement once the Chinese supplier had dropped the ball and probably deliberately given how highly they think of Canada these days. So, I mean, there it, it is. there's a lot of facts that show how badly the Trudeau government botched vaccine access. While they were boasting about, oh, we procured, but it turns out procured meant they had something on paper, but not in reality. Mm-hmm. But one thing that struck me recently, which I find kind of kind of interesting uh, and pretty hypocritical is a lot of the Trudeau apologists are saying, oh, well, now we we are we are giving all these doses per day now. And we're you know, and, and there's a very significant number. And for starters, yes, we are. Thank goodness we are. We're, we're seeing a high you know daily dose count in in Canada in general. But that means, A, the provinces are doing a pretty darn good job <laughs> at getting that vaccine into arms. But secondly, we are doing that now because we didn't have the vaccine three months ago, like the U.S. did, like yep. a whole bunch of European countries, and even some third world countries okay. did a way better job than us. So uh, the, the facts are very clear. The federal government bought this uh, 100%. 
Uh, we're playing catch up now. And I think the thing a lot of people don't really realize from a pure economy standpoint is business opportunities are going elsewhere mm -hmm. where things are opening up, where things have been open maybe for a yeah. little while. Catherine, I have, to, I have to take a break. I have to take a break here. Interesting email from Annette. Just started listening, she writes. Question to all these people who don't want the vaccine. If they get COVID and are really sick, what do they expect from the healthcare system? Do they want to be bumped to the front of the line? Demand to be treated first? A lot of people needing healthcare are currently being bumped for the COVID patients. Interesting point. And when it comes to the passport issue and whether you're going to have to show a passport to cross borders, Steve sends an email. Roy, people going to need a passport just to get into my car. All right. Back to Catherine Swift, um, working at Working CDNS on Twitter, at Linda Leatherdale, at L. Leatherdale, Linda Leatherdale, and at Michelle Simpson on Twitter, and that is S-I-M-S-O-N. Don't throw in the P. Okay. So when it comes to the issue of the federal election, Michelle, let me start again with you. Do you think we're going to have an election um, this year? And how do you expect the election, an election campaign to be carried out, to evolve at a time of great uncertainty like the one we're living in now? I most certainly do think there will be an election this year because things can only get increasingly worse for the liberal government. The longer this goes on, it, we've seen it that uh, Mr. Trudeau's been dropping slightly in popularity. And so there I predict there will be an election for sure, and I think it will be a, a different type of campaign, no question, that they'll rely uh, you know, on Zoom and all these other technical things. Uh, that said, I think if they, we have the election this year, it will likely be the lowest turnout in our history. That's interesting, because they're talking about mail-in ballots arriving 24 hours after the deadline. What the hell's the point of a deadline if you're going to say it's okay to send it in after the deadline? <laughs> it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous, like having a speed limit and saying, well, it's okay if you speed after, you know, at a certain time of the day. It doesn't make much sense. Um, so unorthodox election campaign, more than likely, with the lowest turnout, more than likely, says Michelle Simpson. Full disclosure, my long-term friend, Catherine Swift, is a member of the Conservative Party of Canada. Not that that's going to influence your commentary, because I know you, you're going to say what's on your mind regardless. Because <laughs> uh, I, I know you, and I've, I've been in a Thank room that. with you when we've been asked <laughs> questions. So what do you think, Catherine, election this well, year, and what's it going to be like? Well, I agree with Michelle. I think there is going to be. But I think something that Canadians should ask themselves is, do we need an election this year? No, we do not. We've got... Lots on our to-do list, uh, getting over this awful pandemic being obviously the most compelling number one issue. There is no reason we need this election except that it's a Justin Trudeau vanity project. That's what it is. He's dying for a majority, although he's behaving like he has one. And because he's been backed up by the NDP, uh, he basically has uh, more or less, you know, had, had a majority government and, and continually tries to do things, this latest censorship bill, which I know you... So I have, to, I have to ask you this question. I have to interrupt and just ask you this question. When will you know? When will it be time to have an election? 
Well, I think I think like Michelle said, it's only going to get worse. Right now, it would be far too problematic. The summer is always difficult. So I'd have to say fall. But this whole thing about mail-in ballots, if you can line up at Walmart and Costco, you know what? You can go and vote in person. Mail-in ballots have a huge risk of, of uh, corruption and all kinds of problems. Canadians should not accept the notion of mail-in ballots, period. Okay. Linda, when it comes to the election... Uh, one of the Catherine says this isn't the time for an election. I have some thoughts here that if you're in opposition, you would want to put a stop, full stop, to the initiatives of the Trudeau Liberals if you're in opposition as quickly as possible. If you're in opposition to what they're doing, why wouldn't you want to, why wouldn't you want to stop them? So, do you think there's going to be an election this year? And am I full of salt um, based on what I'm saying here? Okay, right. You know what? First of all, I have to agree with Catherine. Do we really, really need it? And yes, the opposition would want to stop whatever he's doing. But we're in a very, un- this is unprecedented, you know, this pandemic. And doesn't matter your political stripe. We've got to be together to try to get stop this. And I've already mentioned there's a lot of mistrust. There's so much misinformation, et cetera, et cetera, on this. Would we go in the fall? I tend to agree that our economy right now is not that bad, but I worry about so many different things on the front. I mean, this cyber attack that you just talked about on your show, the fact that Michigan is taking a stab at our line five and energy is so important to our economy. We've got some huge issues that we've got to come together and not to mention China. Roy, you talked about it. That stunned me. That, that this report has come out about China and the Third mm. World War and attacking us. Well, using, bi- using bioweapons, you know. Viruses. Exactly. But doesn't that make you suspicious about the two Chinese scientists who were kicked out of Winnipeg? It makes me suspicious of the whole world and everybody living in it. <laughs> well, exactly. So therefore, I am saying, do we really need this at this time? I think we've got a lot of work and a lot of heavy lifting and a lot of scary things. Okay, Michelle, what, what, you're, you're the one who sat in the, in the, in the benches. I'm going to say government benches. You were in opposition sitting with our esteemed leader. And, and there's no denying the cult of Trudeau. It exists in this country, and it's going to generate a lot of votes for him. There is the cult of Trudeau. But, Michelle, when is the right time for an election, particularly at this time in our, you know, in our history? Well, if you're looking at it from Mr. Trudeau's point of view, uh, he would argue now. But I agree, we don't need an election. But it's all about the polls and about us being the pawns on a chessboard, and we're getting pushed around, and, and uh, we're just going to end up going with the flow. And if he was serious about real election, uh, you know, really doing it right, he would have done something about, uh, you know, the fair election laws that he said he was going to introduce, which he never did. Yeah. So, uh, Catherine, in the very few seconds we have left, if you're in opposition, isn't there time for an election whenever you can create the dynamic for an election? Because you want to change what they're doing. Oh, absolutely. But every party's going to pay attention to polls. But yes, I, I think I think you're right uh, that the election, the opposition party will be chomping at the bit to have an election to see what they can do to, to you know, basically bring the government down. Okay. But I, I just don't think the country is in a situation where we need an election at all. It's kind of a right. political inside baseball thing. Okay. If you want to hear more, 
Subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.